Welcome to I See What You Mean, a podcast about how people get on the same page or don't, or perhaps shouldn't. Today my guest is Terry Lieberfinger. Terry is a Senior Vice President of Human Resources and Safety at Sanders KW Companies. Terry has a long history of transformational leadership in manufacturing settings, especially in areas of health, safety, and risk management. Terry, welcome to the show. Thanks, Lou. Great to be here. I look forward to our conversation. We're going to have a good conversation. Why don't you start with a short bio about yourself? Thanks. As you mentioned, I'm currently Executive Vice President for Human Resources at Sanders KW Companies. We are a family-held, privately-owned company out of Troy, Alabama. I've spent the last 30-plus years in global business management in several multinational companies. I've served multiple roles, include environmental health and safety, Mm -hmm. risk management, human resources, and now executive management. My education, a Bachelor of Science degree in environmental health and safety management, MBA, and also a second master's degree in management that I've been toying with for some time. <laughs> Lots of change in a, and becoming an agent of change in my background. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I've been blessed to work with the likes of McKinsey and Company, the Wolf Boberg and Associates, as well as Aubrey Daniels International. A lot of my type of, of change has not been what I'd call incremental but more transformational change, a wholesale change of how we look and think about the business. And so, like I said, 30-plus years of, of change management experience. And, and you're, I know some of the background of the transformational change, like you said, large scale, not, not small scale. You weren't nibbling at things, and that raises some very interesting questions for getting on the same page. Let's start with where we are today, meaning... Health and safety in the workplace has been on everyone's minds for what now? So two and a half years or something in a, in a way that it wasn't before. It was for you and it became on everyone's minds in a different way. As the pandemic winds down, what do you see? What are, what are you getting on the same page about? What does it mean for people to be on the same page about now that we've had this experience than it did before? Yeah, I think the common thread that I see currently is a general concern about personal health and well-being that that I've not seen before. I I think the pandemic has raised a lot of personal issues for people, Mm -hmm. making sure that they they are working in a safe environment, a healthy environment, asking a lot of the right questions with regards to what we're doing as a company to promote a, a, a healthy work environment. People always express the concern about the safety side of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Right, but now the common theme seems to be about health, well-being, and and not just the physical well-being, but I'm also seeing more questions around the mental well-being, and what are we doing to help them from that perspective, or or what types of counseling do we have available that that, that could help them just periodically talk to somebody. I think the pandemic raised a lot of issues in terms of people being alone. And whether you were quarantined or, you know, following CDC guidelines and being at home, people were at home by themselves. And I'm seeing the what I want to call maybe the the offshoot of that, Mm -hmm. where people don't want to be on their own. And if they are forced to be quarantined, who can they call and talk to or who can who can they, you know, have some counseling sessions with that are maybe going to help them get over that, that period or, or feeling of loneliness. So the, the conversation changed then 
in and in the pandemic, we just had to get through it right. And I know that you and leadership position and other leaders were just figuring it out as you as you went along, right? Correct. Yeah. There were no guidelines. Yeah, there was no playbook. Was basically, just all of a sudden, here you go. The <laughs> CDC may have offered some things, but I, you know, how do you implement those while at the same time thinking that you still need to make a product, you still need to service customers? Yeah. You know, we were deemed a necessary industry, so we continue to operate, and we, we have a very strict uh, number of people that we need in order to yeah. operate effectively. And if all of a sudden 25, 30 people were out of your workforce, what do you do? Having your background, you had a great starting place for what to do during the pandemic. You stood up some health and safety measures, not just for people in the manufacturing floor or the manufacturing operation, but for the office, for everybody, right? Correct. It was, it was uh, pillar to post. <laughs> and, and some of it you were figuring out as you did it. And what, you, what we never knew, people forget, hindsight's twenty twenty. What we didn't know when we were in the middle of it was what would happen next. Would it wind down soon? Would, it, would another variant come along and, and resurge? Would there be another surge of this? So you're, you're, you put some things in place. You're moving through it. Now we get through it, and I suppose you guys are back to more normal operations, more normal practices. Correct. But you're hearing the conversation change. Now employees are asking some different questions, and you are probably having different conversations. First-line supervisors are probably having different conversations with people, and so are you, right? So that's what you're saying is different. Yeah, the uh, just the amount of communication and the types of communication the types of questions that are coming around, you can sense that change. And it has impacted us positively yeah. in terms of people working safer, people not taking the shortcuts that they took once before, people being mindful of the policies and the procedures because they know that it, they're put in place to keep them safe. So if I need to take a positive away from the pandemic, mm-hmm. it is the mindset. It is, it is that change in mindset that, wow, this could all be taken away from me tomorrow. It isn't worth the shortcut. It isn't worth risking my life over. I'm going to follow the company procedure to the letter. That's what I'm seeing. Interesting shift in perspective, right? Yes. Our, our results are showing, you know, with regards to the, the numbers of injuries, the severity of injuries, all of those are down significantly for us. And, and, the, and the level of questions and the types of questions ha- have increased significantly about how to do the job the right way. What personal protective equipment or what procedures do I need to follow? It's been an interesting dynamic to watch. Interesting. So there's greater awareness of the kinds of things that you want focused on, right? Absolutely. But yes. maybe maybe people weren't for, they are more now. Yeah. You know, you, you always look, uh, or at least I do from a, and listen, as I moved into positions of executive management, I have never forgotten where I've come from in mm-hmm. terms of being a safety professional at heart. I'm always going to have a concern about the work environment and making sure that our people have a safe working environment. That that part is never going to change for me. But but you always look for those critical moments or mm-hmm. those um, uh, what do we call it? tipping points mm-hmm. where okay it's gonna it's gonna tip to your favor. <laughs> 
no one in my wildest dreams would I think a nope. pandemic was going to be the tipping point nope. for, for paradigm. <laughs> Nor would you have asked for it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly right. I would have looked for something much smaller, I would think. <laughs> but but there it was. It, it was. And I guess that there's a silver lining that, that you constantly look for in these types of situations. That would be the silver lining. So how did the conversations change amongst the employees? What are you picking up on that? They're doing different, differently with each other, whether it's in the office setting or manufacturing. Yeah, there's there's a general concern about everyone's welfare. Interesting. Um, if, if if they're they're concerned about their coworkers in ways that they have not expressed before, they are concerned about themselves in ways that they've never expressed before. Interesting. Uh, for for example, you know, how often are we cleaning the buildings? How often are we disinfecting? Are, are the cleaning people aware of the changing CDC policies? Uh, wow. you know, so, you know, people are, are wow. on those websites and are asking those types of questions. Wow. That's I, pretty I find cool. it very interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. It's refreshing. It's just a little bit different level of conversation than we've had before. So it sounds like they are taking more ownership of their, their well-being. Yes. You know, in safety, we use the term that everybody's responsible for safety. Right. It's not, it's not one person's responsibility. Right. I, I'm finding it out the same way in our offices and in our work environment now when it comes to the health side. It's not one person's responsibility. It's everybody's responsibility. And if, if somebody blows their nose, they want to know, OK, when was the last time this person was tested? Are they, <laughs> you know, are they contagious? And so, you know, it's interesting to kind of bridge the gap between HIPAA and yeah. comfort. Yeah, oh, I bet that's you know, interesting. Keeping, uh, yeah, yeah, trying to keep people informed. And we try to be as transparent as possible because I like the fact that people are asking these questions. Sure, I, know I you like do. the fact that they've taken the ownership that they have never done before. So uh, to me, like I said, a uh, uh, refreshing approach. So in a way, the pandemic served to get people on the same page. I remember when I when I first here's here's let me say this and then when I come back to the question I remember when I got a motorcycle when I was in uh, 2021 and the guy that taught me to ride it remind told me as you first ride a motorcycle you got some fear and then he helped put the fear in perspective you could hurt yourself if you have too much fear but he wanted me to know I should never for, never lose a healthy fear of the machine because then I could get hurt for different reasons. So you've got people who are alert now and aware. We don't want people to work in fearful conditions, but they're alert and aware. What are you thinking about now of how you'll, how you'll foster that, how you'll maintain that, how you'll keep some of this conversation going, how you'll keep some of the practices and behaviors going? What's your thinking going forward the rest of this year and in the next year? You know, traditional safety programs have always had some form of a safety committee. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we, we looked for volunteers to start our safety committee. And, and like everyone else, we, we kind of took a pause during the pandemic. Sure. As I restarted those meetings six months ago, uh, back in January, um, mm, the okay. level of volunteerism increased significantly. Right. What was once a eight, nine, maybe 10 person committee is now 40 people. All right. And, and, and I don't turn any of them away 
Um, I, I want them there. I want them participating. I want their input because in turn, I want them being able to take that information back and, and share it with the rest of the workforce. Mm-hmm. And, and I've noticed every month when we have these meetings, the population grows just a little bit more and just a little bit more because now people don't want to hear it from somebody else. They, they want to come in and hear it from themselves uh, and, and, and they want to know, okay, now, now what can I do to help somebody else? Wow. What, what can I do to take this back well, and, and maybe educate someone? And they are the best ambassadors for those messages. You'll do Absolutely. it. You'll do it because it, it, you should, but they are the better ambassador than you. And you know what I mean by that? Absolutely. I, I think peer to peer, whether it is positive feedback, positive reinforcement, uh, a cr- constructive criticism right. is always better peer to peer. Let's let's talk about that some more. But to do that, I want to go back to work I know you've done before that was manufacturing safety, or the risks on the manufacturing operation and the safety about those things. Where in a former position in a global company, heavy manufacturing, you worked from the boardroom to the shop floor to change the thinking about health and safety. So let's go down two paths, but the first one we're already on, let's stay on it. One is you involved guys on the floor, especially by shift, so that they were working together in a different way with each other. You weren't there. You weren't home. You were, you were in the office, you were other places. They, they, uh, they, they owned safety. They came to own safety on the shop floor. And, and so part of the question I'm wondering is, how are you fostering that, whether wherever, in the office environment or on the shop floor? The second, the second part of the question, which we can get to, is you showed people more results of safety than they understood were there. And so that sometimes that was financial, um, but, but sometimes that was productivity. So there, were more, there was more gain to be made by people for being safe than they realized. And when you showed it to them, they're like, well, geez, then I'll then I'm in. So maybe we can go down that second path and see how, how that's, how you see that shaping up today. But what the first idea was, how are you, how are people engaging each other or how are you fostering them to engage each other in groups that are logical groups where they work? So as you stated, safety is a great rallying point. Every, everybody can buy into it. And I've worked in union facilities, non-union facilities, technical offices, managerial offices, manufacturing environments, Mm -hmm. you know, that safety seems to be a common thread that everybody can rally around. Okay. You're you're not, you're not going to buck. Oh, I I, I want, I'm showing concern for your safety and well-being. You're not going to kind of push back on that. You're going to be supportive of it. So to your point, if I'm, I'm a big believer that small successes lead to larger successes. Yeah. If, if, you know, you, you, you mentioned about a past company that I worked for, a, a, a multinational, international organization, 10,000 employees, some 70 manufacturing plants around the world. I, I don't think it's a mistake that a company has over a thousand injuries a year, a thousand workers comp claims and seven and a half million dollars in annual losses and five years later is voted one of the safest companies in America and have reduced that to, you know, under a hundred injuries, under a hundred workers' comp claims and, you know, 300,000 in, in mm-hmm. losses. No, it's not um, an accident. You know, it, it's, it's, yeah, exactly. No pun intended. It's not an accident. We strive 
to basically focus on on both ends of the spectrum. Get, getting the hourly employees to understand how to work safely, how to counsel each other, how yeah. to provide that peer-to-peer feedback. At the same time, moving up the chain to the other end where you've got the senior management or plant level management to understand why it's important to their business mm-hmm. in terms of you know reduced turnover, mm-hmm. reduced training expenses, stability of a workforce, productivity gains, financial gains. You, you, you learn to speak that language of business, and, and that's really how you get both sides going. And a little success will breed more people jumping on board. Mm-hmm. And what I, what I mean by that is when, when I stated that we wanted zero injuries, mm-hmm. and, you know, first thing you hear is we're not an ice cream manufacturer. You know, this isn't a golf course or a country club. We, we produce, <laughs> you know, we make steel, we process steel, we do this, we do that. And then all of a sudden you have that first month of zero and all of a sudden, well, Hey, how'd, we did that. How'd we do that? Um, now, now, how do we do it again? And yeah, uh, you know, yeah. now, now yeah. I'm on board. Now you've got my full support. And, and when you watch that happen 50, 60, 70 times over, to a point where where multiple facilities around the world are having zero injuries because you've got buy-in from everyone. It was easy to then take that same methodology and apply it to other business applications. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whether it was human resources, whether it was transformation, it it is it is change management. It is Big it time. is a choice. Right for people to work safely, and and my goal was to find out what motivated them. Okay, uh, that was going to say. Tell me a little bit about the methodology because the, the health and safety messages have been known for a long time. I'm going to say this word; it might be a little unfair, but I think you don't. I don't think you'll object strong. They've been preached for a long time. Yeah, espoused, right? Yep. Programs put in place, and you know the drill. You're the expert in it, and it didn't always pay off. So something was missing in some of the approaches. So you tell me a little bit about your methodology because you caught whatever was being missed and you probably just, you said something right there about motivation. I think was a big part of it. I think when you're, when you're taking a topic like safety and, and probably the methodology is, is replicable mm-hmm. across any business function, right? You, you, it starts with leadership, Mm-hmm. It, it starts with somebody having the managerial courage to say, I'm going to approach this differently. I don't have to be satisfied with this particular result. There's got to be a different way, a better way. Once you do that, and, and it just so happened that you know, I was blessed with those opportunities and, and blessed with coworkers who were senior management level that basically said, I believe in safety. I believe there's more to the results than just no injuries. There, there's a financial well-being. There's a cultural well-being. There, there are other benefits to it. Let's get committed toward that. Let me, let me, and, can I interrupt you there for a second, though? Yeah, absolutely. I, I know something that happened. So I respect the idea of the values that, that they espoused, that you said, and the vision. But one of the things that happened was everybody had come to accept a certain number of incidents as normal. 
now you knew that they could be improved upon, but when people come to accept a certain number of things as it's just going to happen, they still can feel like they've got the value of safety and the vision for a safe place, but maybe this is just the number of accidents we're going to get. So you had to change something in their thinking to make that vision and value that make the values and vision expressed differently in, in practices Correct. in policy and procedure and practice. Correct. And, and I wish I could, uh, I wish I had the silver bullet, uh, <laughs> because I'd be able to, you know, name it and sell it. I'm sure. I don't, I don't know if I just wore people down <laughs> or, 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 or it was really the approach. I, I really think when, when you take a business minded approach with logical business minded people and, and you can paint a path of stability because our job as executive managers basically is, is taking out variances and removing the variances and, and understanding why you're off track. So we're, we're problem solvers. When you're talking about safety and you're talking about people, I think there's a sense of intimidation about how am I going to get 500 people, 1,500 people, yeah. 5,000 yeah, people, you're right? right. Yeah. All, all on this, all yeah. rowing in the same direction. Yeah, you're right. But it starts small. It starts with one win that that breeds to two to ten. It True. doesn't happen at the at the flip of a switch. Nope. There's there's effort and there is time and there is sacrifice put into all that in order to make that happen. Well, tell me this, because I know I think that you were able to challenge some assumptions that were embedded. Yeah. So they might have thought that they had some predictability, some stability, and they might have thought that the variances that they had were maybe inelastic, like you couldn't move them much. But you challenged some assumptions embedded in the thinking that, and then you demonstrated some things following that that made them go, oh, okay, maybe I, I'm not looking at this right. Yeah, I think you bring up a good point. People become very regimented and they, and they like that routine. Mm -hmm. when, when the results, we, we will somehow find a way to justify them. <laughs> We, we, you know what, to your point, right? Nobody yeah. wants to, any one person to get hurt, but if we have 10 injuries a year, that, that's okay. That's acceptable. That's better than what we had. But when I started asking them to name the 10 people they wanted to get injured, <laughs> you know, then, then all of a sudden it, I, I made it personal. Oh, that was different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, Part of my job, I guess, has been how, how do Gadfly. I best sell that change? <laughs> yeah. yeah, poking and prodding. How do I best, yeah, how do I best sell the change? And and if I need to be a little dirty with it um, <laughs> and challenge you to you know name name ten people that you want injured this year. Well, then I guess you well know, uh, uh, guilt, guilty as charged. Well, that's just vivid. That just brings a that makes that's a perspective shift in an instant in the mind because if you thought of a number ten. It's a number. If you think of, whoa, 10 people, 10 families. Well, I don't want that to happen to anybody. And then you're in the conversation of, well, let's try to get it to zero. Yes. <laughs> and, and you know what? That's a good point. And, and one of the videos that I would typically show, mostly hourly people, but it would have the same type of impact on management people as well. There, there was a video that would show somebody getting injured. And, you know, the it would be in the media. This person was burned yeah. on 80% of their body. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, they were transported to the hospital and yeah. they're going to have to go through surgeries. 
but that's the last you hear of it then. Yeah. Ooh. So this gentleman wanted to walk you through the rest of the story. Oh, yeah. You know, and how it impacted his family and how his daughter, you know, basically got, you know, addicted to drugs because that was the only way that she could cope Cope with with, her father. You know, he ends up being divorced because he goes through this personal depression and he doesn't blame his wife. He doesn't blame his kids. He blames himself. And he said, those are the stories that nobody ever talks about. Yeah. Nobody talks about being burned on 80 percent of your body and going into a stainless steel tub where they've got to debreed your wounds, you know, with wire brushes yeah. and a disinfecting solution. And everybody is going through the same thing and is screaming at the top of their lungs. Yeah. Those are things you don't think about. And I think your point, I, that, that yeah. vivid story will, will trigger emotion. Yes. It'll make somebody think, rethink, I call the show, I see what you mean, because it's about that aha moment that we can have when we have that realization. So what you, you've probably created a lot, a lot of aha moments for people in your work that made them, that, that there's like a, a, a perspective shift of reframing, seeing, seeing more than they saw, that, maybe just a flash of insight, like, wow, okay, that's not how I thought of it. And if I think of it this new way, I can't feel the same about it. Right. There's a total. Go ahead. I was going to say, I had a mentor who taught me a lot about business, but it also was my partner in making a lot of these shifts. I was new to a company. He was new to the company. He called me his very first day and said, you know, can you make time for me? And I said, this unit president, absolutely. You know, when, when do you want to see me? And he said, right now. (laughs) And, you know, we, his first day on the job, we spent four hours together in the morning mm-hmm. talking about safety. And, and more importantly, his aha moment was three fatalities in one day I, with, with, you know, opening, opening a new facility with media and board of directors and owners and, you know, basically dealing with, with three fatalities. And he said, you know, I can't name the dates and times of every promotion, every raise, every positive sale or, or customer experience. But I can certainly name the date and time of the worst moment of my life. I'll never forget that. These fatalities. Yeah. And so when you go through it from that perspective, that's got an impact on you yeah. that hopefully somebody else doesn't have to replicate and live through to learn from it. I, I, wrote, I jotted something down here. I want to come back to we. There's an idea of total cost that's lurking in what we've been talking about for a few minutes. I, 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 so there's a, if a gentleman shows, films his life after an injury and the recovery and the downstream things that stopped, the media stopped covering, but he wants to, people to know, he's showing the total cost of the injury mm-hmm. in a very personal way. That has a powerful impact on people who would watch it, who were in the, situa- in the circumstances where they could see themselves being injured and and had a more complete picture in their minds of what the total cost of the injury could be. Mm-hmm. You've also, hold that for a second, because same concept, just a different part of the organization. I know you have shown executives, maybe even boards, the total cost of injuries. Like I remember you, you've told them, we're not capturing the total cost of this. Here's how we have to, and so in their minds, they have in their minds it's like a comprehensive thing you you've got safety as a value you've got a program you've got practices 
there's, uh, there's operations, there's a certain number of injuries of different kinds. It all kind of comes together in a whole, right, in a, in a, in a comprehensive whole. And, and there's a certain amount of mental accounting people can do that makes it okay. It, it, we become familiar with that we, there's, a, there's a bias to this is, this is, how it, this is what we have, well, how, what we get. We're doing the best we can. We're pretty good compared to other companies our size, our type of man, operation. But when you said, wait a minute, we're not looking at the total cost of, of injuries. We're missing something we need to start factoring in. Same kind of thing, different, same concept, total cost, shifted thinking, whether that was the shop floor with injury, with personal effect of, of, an, on an, of an injury on somebody or family, and a business effect. And I'm interested in that, in that aha, that, that, that shift you did when, they, when they re, the total cost made them re, re, re Assess something, I think. Yeah, there was an interesting situation. So same company, mid-2000s. Company is a well-known company. I'm not going to mention mm. my name, but they, they are Fortune 500, have been on you know Fortune 100 best places to work, I, I think, six, seven, eight times. Mm -hmm. um, they, they truly are a world-class organization. Because they did not have somebody at that central point uh, a single point of contact, so to speak. You know, it's easy to miss when you've got multiple business units. Yeah. You know, you've got, you know, a hundred thousand, a couple hundred thousand in this business unit, maybe a million in this business unit and nobody rolling that up. It's easy to say, well, it's really not a problem. It's a cost of doing business. But when you roll it up and you say it's seven and a half million dollars and you divide it by the, the number of shares that are outstanding and you say this is the price per share that we are doing and oh yes. by the way safety professionals will tell you the actual cost is five to ten times that amount yeah that's all of a sudden you've got you got a different conversation got, going on yeah now, now you're talking the language of business and and more importantly you're speaking dollars and cents and and you know when they're looking for every single penny on a, on a cost per share or a price per share, and, and I'm sitting on a plum quarter. Um, <laughs> I've got their attention. Yeah, you did. And, you know, yeah, you there, did. There's, there's several aha moments that will go on at that point in time. <laughs> and they were, and they were, you, you rode that a long way. You were very successful <laughs> with that. Yeah, it was to, to the point where this company is is very well known for their profit sharing program, and so twenty basically twenty percent of all of the earnings get shared back with the employees. As a result of our injuries dropping off so significantly, uh, we were overinsured, so they were able to take some ridiculous number like twenty six million dollars out of reserves and back into earnings. Hmm. And that, you know, 20% of that got shared amongst, you know, 7,000, 8,000 employees. Long story short, everybody got about an extra $1,000 in their profit sharing check that year. Needless to say, I was a pretty popular guy at that, that point in time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so that's just so powerful that it happened to be a, a and I'm harping on this. Maybe I got the, maybe I got it wrong. You tell me if you think of it differently. I'm harping on that total cost notion, not because that's, the be all and end all, but because in a couple instances I knew of, it was a concept. It was a way that you that, that, that you reframed what people were thinking and made them re-examine it. And out of that came, I think, different policies, procedures, and practices. Whether from the boardroom with the owners, the executives, the show, 
all the way to the shop floor. Yeah, that was also a transition moment for me because it wasn't long thereafter that the same methodology was applied to the entire business. Uh, and, mm. and instead of total cost, we were talking about terms like total landed cost. So from, from the point the product would show up as a raw material and every element, aspect, treatment, whatever we were doing mm. to it, all the way until it was landed at the customer location, what was all of that? And what were the facts that, that went into that? What were the business, business assumptions that went into that? And all of a sudden, places where that company thought they were making money, they were not when they start to factor all that in. And that became transformation. Now we're talking about how do we change an entire business segment yeah. by looking at the facts differently well, at that point, and yeah. losing losing the assumptions, yeah. losing the gut feel, losing the sacred cows, but just strictly unbiased, unfiltered facts. And today, that particular company is on what they refer to as Transformation 2.0 because it was so beneficial the first go-around. This is a company that was basically, stock price will go to $20 a share, drop down to $12 a share, up to 20 down to 12 the owner of the business or the, or the largest shareholder chairman of the board basically walked into the room and said, I'm tired of playing the game. I want to play the game to win. Mm-hmm. And, the, and, it, and it really became, well, what was winning? Mm-hmm. Well, w- part of winning was a $50 a share stock price. Mm-hmm. And the, the heads around the room are like, we can't get above 20. Mm-hmm. How are we ever going to get to 50? Mm-hmm. And the answer was, we can't get there incrementally. We've got to think a different way of handling our business and how we do our business. And right now, that company is near $50 a share. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So that's pretty tra- cool. transformation and, and, and change, I, I, I cannot point to the safety transformation and say that was the impetus. But to me, that was one of the maybe the small successes that led to the larger action. Then. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Well, and especially the interesting how the idea of looking at total cost or maybe just look if, if, if they didn't say that phrase, they're asking themselves, what are some hidden costs? What are we missing? Where can we where should we look? What questions should we ask? I love the idea that you change the conversation, you get different information. Exactly. And and instead of asking somebody who's in the know, who already has a built-in bias, even though they don't know that they've got a built-in bias, right. they will be naturally defensive. We basically took five people that didn't know, I'm not going to say didn't know anything about the business, but they weren't ultra familiar with the business, but they were ultra familiar with how to ask the right questions. Oh, uh, yeah. And so I just happened to be a part of that team, and it was instead of we can't do it that way, the answer became why can't we? And and can't should not be in our vocabulary. Tell me how you're going to make this work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so yeah. A, again, back to we know the excuses, we know the reasons why that it's not going to work. Your job is to put a plan together that is going to be successful and is going to work with no excuses nothing but just the business results and here's the expectation so when you when you put it to somebody and you remove the noise you remove the excuses all that you're left with is the facts and hopefully a change some results, results. <laughs> that's right yeah. that's right yeah 
That concludes the first of two episodes Terry and I recorded. Join us next week when we talk about how Terry defines getting on the same page as the destination, the grieving process he sees people go through with large-scale organizational change, and why he collects and shares employees' stories, especially elders of the tribe, to foster an organizational culture of safety. Thank you.